Time to turn the page, Spartan Nation. Spring football is here. And man, oh man, what a difference a year makes. This time last year, Matt, we didn't know who the quarterback was. We didn't know who the real Kenneth Walker was. And anyone who said the Spartans were winning 11 games and a peach bowl would have been laughed at. Alas, here we are, entering season three of not only Mel Tucker, but also season three of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Champion. Here with Matt Wenzel on Wednesday, Izzo 30th, 2022. It is episode 74 of our little show. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Congrats. Can you believe we've been doing this pod for two, well, well I guess not two whole seasons, but uh, two seasons now? I can't believe it's been 74 of these things, but uh, <laughs> I guess if anybody's <laughs> listening, know. we'll keep doing it. So yeah, um, what a joy. <laughs> I know you look forward to nothing more than, uh, hey, beats jury duty, right? <laughs> it does. It does. Anything beats jury duty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, appreciate everyone for listening today. Uh, Kyle's not here. He's enjoying some much-needed or much-deserved PTO after what was a pretty crazy basketball season. Uh, he was on the road a lot. Um, so uh, some well-deserved time off. Hopefully he's on a golf course right now, uh, somewhere warm. But, you know, maybe he's just chilling. But either way uh, – Good job on the season for Kyle and Matt. Now it's your time to shine again as we as we get into spring football, and there'll be plenty of that on the docket today. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, we'd appreciate it. Check out our old work at mlive.com slash Spartans. You can hit up hit us up on uh, Twitter. You know where to find us and uh, via email. Um, so we appreciate everyone for listening today. But as I sort of alluded to, spring practice is underway in East Lansing. Always an exciting time. If you're a Michigan State fan, because it's sort of uh, like spring in general, sort of symbolizes new life, uh, new birth. Everyone is optimistic for the season coming in the fall. Michigan State, in their case, it's a, obviously a much different tone than last year where there was a lot of unknown and very little was expected of the Spartans. Now they're coming off an 11 win season and in the year six bowl game will likely be ranked preseason. So a very different vibe. Um, but Matt, you were just at practice and uh, I'm going to guess that the intensity is still uh, still there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they're I, mean, we, I wish we could be there for uh, every minute of practice, obviously, but um, it is I do appreciate being able with them opening the doors and uh, letting us in, if you, even if it's only for I think we were in there for maybe about 30 minutes um, yesterday morning. And I, I do like uh, Mel shifting the practices to morning when he took over. Uh, I, I do like that and appreciate that. It's more of an NFL approach. So um, a lot better being there at eight in the morning than waiting around until seven o'clock at night to uh, for them to open the door to talk to us. But uh, yeah, so yesterday, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway was I, I went over to look at the offensive line, kind of see what the right left to right would be and realize there was no left to right because they're, <laughs> they're, they don't have the bodies. I mean, there were, it's kind of, striking when you look and you're like all right but there's only seven offensive linemen practicing right now so uh mel had uh, we talked to mel on monday and, and he had mentioned the offensive line being shorthanded and he, he wasn't kidding so a tough situation i mean the good news for michigan state is it's only march 30th right now so you don't have a game to play in but as of yesterday the only offensive linemen in that were practicing were spencer brown nick samak kevin wigginton uh ethan boyd Brandon Baldwin and walk-ons Jacob Lefebvre and Evan Brunning. So uh, (laughs) that's a tough spot to be in. You know, Brown and Samek are the only two of those who have taken a snap in college and Brown, you know, just made his first start in the peach bowl. Uh, So difficult situation. Uh, We talked to Chris Kabilovic after, uh, after practice and, you know, he had said, you know, basically what a difference a year makes, you know, last year, you know, they had this wealth of veteran experience 
you know, they rolled nine deep through their, you know, their regular rotation through really seven games before it started to get thinned out. Um, and, and this year, I just, yeah, I mean, you knew going in, they were going to have to rebuild the offensive line and you kind of had a rough idea of what they were looking at. You knew Matt Carrick was coming off um, uh, notable surgery last fall. And you didn't really expect him to be practicing, but you know, with some of the other guys, they got banged up, you know, Gino Vandermark had a, a rapper cast, whatever you want to call it on his right hand. He wasn't practicing. Um, Jarrett Horst and Dallas Fincher saw both of them in the weight room um, working out. So didn't see JD playing. Uh, so yeah, it's a, you know, tough spot to be in. And, and like Chris was talking about yesterday, you're, he's torn because he almost feels a little bad for these guys. Cause they're getting asked to do so much, you know, play multiple positions, but at the same time, he can't waste this, this time for development because you have guys that would normally be getting probably a third of the snaps, their reps they're getting in practice. Had they, if they had, you know, this, you know, save the, the normal depth and now they're getting all of them. Um, so he, he expects that to pay off in the long run, but noted, you know, there is that problem because this is a time to build, co- you know, cohesion on your line and, and they just don't have it because they don't have the body. So uh, it also affects the rest of the team because they aren't able to do as many team reps. So, it, you know, tough spot, but you know, it, again, the good news is the games don't start for more than five months. Uh, he, Chris expects maybe to get one more guy back this spring. Um, but basically just said, it'll be the summer. We'll have everybody back healthy. Um, and what I would say is a notable takeaway from this. Um, and Mel was asked about this on, on Monday was, um, will the lack of depth affect what you do, you know, with a spring game basically. Right. And Mel said it's too early to, you know, determine that. But I, you know, from, from, from what you saw yesterday, what we saw yesterday was seven offensive linemen, two of them being walk-ons. I, I just, and, and, and Chris saying he expect maybe one guy to get back this spring. I just, I don't, I don't imagine um, a couple weeks from now, a little more than two weeks from now, uh, we're going to have there. They'll be able basically three weeks, whatever the hell uh, they'll be able to do like a traditional spring game format. You just don't have the bodies on offensive line to go up and down the field. Um, you don't, I mean, you basically have one unit and a barely patched together one at that. So I would expect it to be probably something similar to last year uh, where they didn't have the linebackers. They didn't have the cornerbacks to go, you know, full two squad, you know, like a game. So I would expect probably the same thing for the spring game this year. Just, uh, it just, you know, it sucks, but that's, that's what you're, you're dealing with. So. Yeah. I mean, and they've got, I mean, obviously Brian green, the transfer from Washington state will be in, in the summer. You've got four freshmen coming in, Gavin Brocious, um, Ashton Lepo, Braden Miller and Christian Phillips. So, I mean, bodies are coming, uh, but they're probably, they're just not going to be here in time from the spring game. So yeah, that was what popped into my head, man. I was like, well, I guess we're getting another practice because, you can't really run yeah. a spring game well, with, with seven linemen, especially when two of them are walk-ons. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you know, from a fan's perspective. Yeah. But I mean, look at it from the team perspective, they can't even have like, I mean, you can't even, you're limited in what you can even do as a scrimmage with the doors closed when you're not on BTN, you know? So um, you can't make it up, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know what you, what else you could do with, with the bodies they have right now. But um, again, it's, it's only March, so um, Chris Kapilovic will get a chance to work with these guys um, for the next, what do they got? So there's seven practices down, we got eight to go, and then, like he said, you know, summer gets healthy, and you bring in some new guys and, and plug it together and see what you can make out of it. It is interesting just looking at the depth, though, like, you know, when the guys get here. Um, 
you know, the, between last year's class and this year's class, I mean, you're probably going to have at least one of those, well, maybe one, maybe two of those guys in the two deep, which yeah, they, yeah, they have is, to. is interesting. Yeah. That's, they, I mean, so, yeah. they just, you know, when you, when you return only five offensive linemen who have played in college, somebody has to get in there. I mean, you got one transfer coming in, you got four freshmen and you got these guys that have registered, you, you know, um, so, you know, somebody is going to have to move into the rotation and, and, you know, ask Chris about that yesterday. And he basically said, you know, I hope this is sunk in for them. And I don't want these, these guys shouldn't be going out there acting like they're competing to be a backup, you know, that just because somebody's coming back, you know, maybe, you know, it's coach speak, but you know, once every says there's no, no starting job secured and, and once everybody, you know, competing for that spot, but yeah, these guys are going to have to, move into a role where they're where they're relied upon um who that's going to be and where they're going to be i don't know he talked about uh nick samak taking uh reps at, at center and guard right now i mean he's been a center he's, you know he's got plenty he's got more than a more than a thousand game snaps um on offense in the last three seasons 10 starts but getting reps at uh at guard as well and he said that they didn't talked about maybe you know giving him a, a shot at, at tackle just in case of emergency so that kind of tells you where they're at right now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they can develop these young guys, these young tackles like like Boyd and Baldwin and some of the interior guys were, you know, like Wigginton and and um Fincher and Vandermark uh project. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like who who gets most of the rest between Samac and and Brian Green because he's played a lot of center uh in in power in in power five football. I would give the edge to Samac just because he's been there working with Thorne. And Green can play both guard spots, but that was definitely a topic of conversation on Twitter when Brian Green committed. Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, just, you know, looking at it right now, you'd say, obviously, Horst, your left tackle, you play in your left guard. I'd uh, have Sam Mack as the center and either Carrick or Green at right guard um, and uh, Spencer Brown at right tackle. That's, you know, just, you know, a guess based on what you've seen. Um, but again, there's, what side is named only six guys. So um, you're going to need others to step up. Uh, you know, you know, the health is always an issue um, at every position and especially in the offensive line, it's pretty much impossible to get out of a season without um, going to younger or going deeper than five. And, you know, Michigan state had the luxury last season of, of going nine deep. And there were times in games where that you would consider a second unit, they were playing the key snaps in, in fourth quarter of games when, when the, you know, with it on the line. So, you know, that backed up what, you know, Chris had said all multiple times that he didn't really view one group as the starters or, you know, it's kind of like an A and B um, type of situation, but yeah, (laughs) I know, I know offensive line play is not what gets the casual fans excited, but it is really interesting. And, you know, you need the offensive line, but offensive line obviously play well, Um, especially, you know, welcome. No Kenneth Walker uh, too to uh, come for. Welcome to the to the Spartan Confidential Podcast, yeah. guys. We, can get another- we we go straight to the O line right yeah. off the top here. Uh, comprehensive March breakdown of Michigan State's yeah. O line depth. You don't get that anywhere else. But right, I can here. go. I can go right into special teams if you want to keep uh, people really entertained. <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I, uh, but, we don't want to lose all of them. Yeah, uh, no, but I think offensive line. That's that's just a key spot. I think that's the biggest question mark overall for this team moving forward um, into, into the fall. Yeah. And any educated uh, football fan knows the O-line's where it's at. They've mm-hmm. seen the the sketchy O-line play uh, before the last couple of years before last year and saw what happened. 
yeah. uh, Michigan State's entire offense basically falls apart. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there were there were other guys, um, you know, just in some injury notes um, that were not practicing when we were in there yesterday. Montori um, Foster and Jeremy Bernard both had a boot on the right leg. Um, what that means, who knows? It could be a <laughs> the boot is not a sign of a serious thing. You know, you never know. I mean, it could it's be March or it's not. Yeah, again, it's March, but I mean we've seen guys in the past wearing boots and then they go out and play, you know, the, the second half of the Ohio state game last year, Jaden Reed came out of the locker room, you know, wearing a boot on his foot. And the next week he goes out there and plays well, you know, it's in the snow, <laughs> in, in the snow. Exactly. So I wouldn't worry, put too much into it. That's just, what we saw Deshaun Mallory, Chase Carter. We're not practicing uh corner, Ronald Williams, Charles Brantley. We're both wearing the red jerseys. So it was Marquis Lowry, uh, Christian Fitzpatrick, was wearing a red jersey but i mean that's just means they're you know basically you're not getting hit i mean they were still out there in helmets and pads and practicing so uh no big deals there a couple other takeaways i know you had just from reading um you know your stories we're going to get to brandon jordan and sort of his unique role uh in a bit here but i mean i, I think the two biggest battles or at least two of the biggest battles outside of o-line uh, our running back and cornerback in the secondary. Uh, let's let's look at the running backs. I mean, um, you know, this time last year we were talking about Peyton Thorne, Anthony Russo was very much up in the air, ended up Peyton Thorne, took the job and never gave it back, which was great for Michigan State because they had that consistency all year. And uh, as Jay Johnson said, not every team is fortunate enough to have their starting quarterback make it through the whole season. So that was obviously a big step for Peyton Thorne last year. I know Jay Johnson wants him to take another step this year. Um, so I don't know if we need to focus so much on quarterback right now, um, but running back is interesting. You've got Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. You've got Jarek Broussard from Colorado. Um, you would think those are two transfers that have had some success at, at the power five level would probably, you know, be one, two, but then again, you've got Jordan Simmons, Elijah Collins. I know Davion Prim's gotten some, some pointing outs, uh, from the coaching staff. So, uh, Harold Joyner's still there. I mean, this is, this backfield is juiced. And again, like last year where we, we thought multiple guys could get carries. It ended up being the Kenneth Walker show. Um, but, but this year just feels like multiple guys are going to get carries. I don't, I don't really see one of these guys running away with it, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, who looks the little clips I see a burger are impressive, but who looks the most impressive in the small bit you've seen? I mean, I can't tell you based on what we've seen from practice, you know, we're not watching 11 on 11. <laughs> we're seeing, you know, some stretching and a little bit of indie work. Um, so, but you've seen nothing... the tape, you've seen what they oh, put yeah, on tape. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've seen the tape. I mean, really, I don't, I don't know. Um, you've got the, but the four guys who are returning plus Berger or five guys who are returning plus Berger um, plus Broussard and Broussard won't be here till the summer. So, um, but what I, you know, yeah, to go back to what you're saying, you would, a guess could be that it would be more, it would be kind of like a Broussard Berger at the top two spots. And then one guy emerges as, you know, your third, but I, I don't know. I mean, Jay Johnson, we asked him about it the other day, and he said not many answers there. You know, it's going to take a while and, and probably in the fall camp before they break it down. And and Mel kind of um, echoed the same thing. Um, you know, it's basically it's a there's nobody separating himself right now. And I think the caveat is you still got Broussard coming in the summer. So can you really what can you really say about it? But uh, it, it is an intriguing competition. And what what will be the case, you know, is, is that you are like you mentioned, you, I don't expect anybody to get even close to the workload that, that Walker had last year. And Jay pretty much said the same thing the other day uh, or last week when we talked to him is that he expects it to be more split up. So 
Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't, I would say, you know, Broussard, Berger, and then, I don't know, Jordan Simmons, Elijah, Elijah Collins. We've seen Joyner flashes was in that him. third round roll or a third down roll some last year. Joyner yeah, well, was. yeah, well, you know, six foot four guy, you know, he was he was used a lot in pass protection. Uh, will that continue this year? Will they find a way to use him differently given his, you know, size and kind of different skill set for for running back? Uh, I don't know. Can uh, we move someone to tight end? <laughs> they, they've i think they've mastered moving guys to tight end we've got uh we still have a punter there and actually we have a punter a, there's a punter a kicker and a wide receiver at tight end and that's after a running back at tight end last year so i think they've maxed out uh the position change to tight end but who knows um so yeah I, it'll be interesting um i i would not expect uh to get anything definitive on who is going to be your your top two or even your starter um, until, you know, it might be, uh, you know, kick off the, the against Western Michigan before you really find out. But, you know, we got a sense where the staff was looking with the Peach Bowl. You know, Walker wasn't playing. Uh, Simmons got the start, got the bulk of the carries. Um, Collins got in there. Joyner got in there. And I have to go back and look. But would they combine to average like two, two point some yards per carry uh, against one of the better run defenses in the country? So, um you know, Jay played down the notion last week that the Peach Bowl was a kind of a trial run for what life without Walker would be like. But, you know, we did get a look at a little bit of a glimpse of, of where their thinking was at that point in time. Um, but, you know, they are going to add two more transfers and these younger guys yeah. will have time to develop. And so we'll see. They can say whatever they want. They brought in two high-level transfers at the position. Yeah, it so. shows that they were not comfortable with where they what they had at running back. You know, they they didn't sign any any recruits at the position and went to the portal, bringing a you know a veteran and Broussard with one season of eligibility and and Berger. You know, he's got four left. You know, and he, I think what you got to remember with him is, I mean, he's only played in what seven college games, so he is during the COVID year. <laughs> well, yeah, what five that year or four that year and three this three games this past season. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got really yeah, he was a four star recruit. Yeah, you look at the tape and you, you can see some good things, but, um, you know, really not a ton of experience there. I mean, Jordan Simmons has more has more experience than he does. I obviously Elijah Collins does. Harold Joyner does. So uh, interesting to see how he fits in with that offense. What, what do you make of this Davion Prim hype? I mean, he was a kid who was outside the top 1,000 in the 2021 class. He's the uh, 247 has him as the number 76 running back in the country, but uh, Michigan kid out of Oak Park, and the coaches pointed him out. He's someone who was, I was sort of maybe wrongly discarding in the competition, but you know, here, here the coaches are going out of their way to point him out. I mean, they've done it in the past with Cal Halliday, with Jeff Petrowski, uh, when they point someone out sort of, um, you know, un you know provoked when they point someone out these guys have ended up on the field so should we take them at their word here that Davion Prim actually is in this battle well I mean yeah sometimes all right spring is is hype season okay you know there's no obvious you know Best this shape is of their life you know you can you, it's one thing to talk about a guy making improvements in in March or April um because you're not really going to get to see them you know, barring a spring game or something like that, you know, when you, you do it in season, you know, you know, you got to back it up on the field. I mean, yes, there are guys they've mentioned in the past um, that you maybe wouldn't expect that, you know, yeah, it turned out. Yeah. They were in line for a big year. And there are guys whose names have been brought up who never stepped on the field to play a single snap, you know, in, in, yeah. in a whole career with the program. So I take everything with the grain of salt and, and while looking at the calendar, but for him, yeah, I mean, 
I don't really care about the recruiting ranking. I mean, what, what was Kenneth Walker? What was his ranking? Was he in the 2000 something? He had one power five offer. So, you know, guys, guys can play above that level. Um, but Jay and Mel both, again, un, unprompted at mentioned uh, Davion. So he must be doing something right. Or they're just trying to, to pump him up through the media. Uh, either way, um, he'll get a chance this fall, given, you know, crowded backfield. And obviously the coaches aren't going to care who it is. Whoever's playing the best is, is going to be the one who's going to get the, the ball. And I think, you know, at least in my opinion, corner seems like the other big position battle uh, that we can look at. I mean, you had multiple guys start games last year. You had the four transfers come in. Charles Brantley played well as a freshman before getting hurt. Ronald Williams came in from uh, and did well at times. You know, Kari Crump, Chester Kimbrough, Marquis Lowry were all transfers that came in. And now you've got uh, some freshmen coming in. And uh, you've got Amir Speed, who just won a national championship in Georgia, who is a monster by the way. Um, so, I mean, how do you size up the corner competition? You would think Amir Speed would be playing. Um, the other one I think is more open. I would give it to Ronald Williams right now, but, you know, we saw Chuck Brantley play well at times last year. So um, do you agree that corner is is an open competition here? And you've got Mel Tucker very hands-on looking at it, right, you know, every day. So yeah, I would expect was... him to make the right choice here. Yeah, that was <laughs> – but quarterback's always been the spot where when they open the doors and let us in to watch practice, that's somewhere where you always got to go because that's where Mel's over there coaching. Um, so it's always interesting to see it, you know, his approach, you know, he, he obviously again, defensive back as a player, DB's coached by trade. So he knows what he's doing over there and it's, it's just entertaining to watch him work with the guys and, you know, see how he does that. But yeah, I mean, it's really, that's, that's a really interesting position heading into the, you know, even if it's spring, but it'll be the same heading into the fall because you got four guys who started at least one game last year, as you mentioned, Williams, Kimbrough, Lowry, and Brantley. Um, and you have younger guys who didn't even play. And then you bring in mere speed. So I, w- I would just guess, yeah, I mean, it, I would say speed and Williams would be the top guys in my opinion right now, but I would expect them to mix it up, you know, you're, I think like last year, I mean, you saw at times, you know, it was what it was Williams and Gervin to open the year. Then it was Gervin and um, was Kimbrough, the game two. And Kimbrough. then, yeah. And then, you know, it just, you know, they moved around and basically what Kimbrough started what 10 or 11 games. Williams was right behind him. Um, Brantley started one Lowry, like three or four. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it works again this year. I maybe, tighten it up a little bit uh i think part of the reason you saw more of the a rotation last year was some ineffectiveness and some injuries you know you guys were playing banged up and, and but either way as mel said the other day basically it's open and it doesn't matter we're going to need all these guys anyways so and that, that might be the case so I, I think they probably like what they have right now uh, you got some you got the some experience you've got some length there especially with speed who is a legit six foot three um, a he, big corner. When they let us in for the first time, uh, for the first week of practice, you're looking over there and you're like, "Really? That guy is that? Yeah, I mean, they weren't fudging his height on the on the roster. He is they legit six, six three, three two ten. Yeah, so he is a he is a big dude. I actually asked him about that last week about you know when nobody ever got you to play wide receiver. He laughed and said that he gets that question a lot. He 
He played a little wide receiver in high school, scored on a, a reverse, which he likes to remind everybody about still. Uh, but that was it other than that. He's always been a defensive guy. He likes he, he prefers hitting people. So um, interesting. And that's, you know, this is the second year in a row. Mel's brought in a corner from a national championship winning team. You know, it was Williams from Alabama a year ago um, and it's speed from Georgia. Um, and then and the connections there, you know, he he knew Mel coming out of high school and he said, his basically his two schools, you know, uh, speeds from uh, Florida, but his two final schools were Michigan State and Georgia. And the reason for that was based on his future position coach, which would at the time have been Harlan Barnett at Michigan State or Mel Tucker at Georgia. And he picked Georgia and, and you know, obviously was there with Mel. And um, when he went into the portal, when he decided he was going to transfer after they won the title this year, he said it was pretty much an easy decision because – you know, there you go. There's Mel and Harlan working together. And he said that when you talked to Mel, Mel sold him on the idea that he was going to coach corners. So all worked out in the long run for, for speed, at least so far. So interesting guy to bring in. And, and, you know, he doesn't have, you know, it's not like he, he started for four years at Georgia. Um, you know, he played, he was more of a special teams player, but he did get, he did begin last season as the starter. And then he had an ankle injury and then you know, it was kind of a, you know, it was a reserve role and a special teams guy, but kind of get a little bit of a fresh start at Michigan State. And as we saw last season, they they could use the help at corner. Yeah. And we saw last season that a lot of guys got hurt too. So yeah, like, yeah. And they, to have yeah. this depth is not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, these other guys like, like Crump or, or Antoine Booth, who didn't play last year. And then you bring in these new guys, they have to, I know they to, like Coley, Caleb yeah, Coley. Coley and, and Willie are both early enrollees in, in this class, so they don't have mere speed size, but uh, yeah, they, they're they're in the mix. So corner and, and running back, those are obviously the you know two things I think that people will be watching in the spring. Um, like we said, might not get a real spring game because the old line depth, but we will get a look at some point. Um, so then, I mean, other things that I had written down here, you know, just the general atmosphere, I mean, you, you get to see some of it, but I, you know, I know the recruits are constantly commenting about the up-tempo intense atmosphere. I, mean, I don't know if that's unique, but I mean, Mel Tucker's an intense guy. He wants things run a certain way. So maybe you could des- describe for the listeners just sort of what practice is like, um, you know, when, in, in the time when you're in there and then, uh, Brandon Jordan, obviously the new pass rush specialist, you guys got to talk to him. We saw some clips of him working with the D-line uh, just a day after, you know, working with some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So obviously a unique situation there that seems to be paying dividends on the recruiting trail and on the practice field early, sort of an outside the box hire from Mel Tucker. So um, just sort of, you know, give me, give me sort of your thoughts on, on Brandon Jordan and just sort of the overall atmosphere at practice. Yeah. I mean, the, to be honest, the recruits get to watch more of the practice than we do. So they see more, more of the uh, defense team, but yeah, from the times that they've, allowed us to be in there. And I'm not just talking about, you know, this week or last week, uh, last year uh, in the, in the fall, you know, minus, you know, getting past all the crazy COVID stuff and they, we could finally get in there and look, yeah, I mean, it is up tempo. It is intense. Um, they're not messing around. I, I couldn't compare it to every other college program because you know, I'm not looking at college at practice at every other program, but it is um, yeah, it is. They, they're out there. There isn't a lack of organization. Let's put it that way. So they, they know what they're doing. Mel's getting, you know, maximizing every minute they have. Um, and then as far as uh, Brandon Jordan, it really one of the more interesting hires. I don't know. Maybe the, was there a more interesting assistant coach hire in the off season? I, I don't I know. So. 
Um, you know, how often do you have a guy on a college staff uh, with the title pass rush special specialist? Um, I, not often. <laughs> I'm not going to look at every single every single program in the country, but that is that is pretty rare. And um, out of the box hire, I would say, and one Mel called cutting edge when, when he announced it. So for those who don't know, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you do know who Brandon Jordan is, but um, he's a private trainer with a really interesting story. You know, he played small college ball as an offensive lineman. And then he, you know, he kind of realized he wanted to get into coaching. Um, he had to you know, play briefly overseas, but uh, he, he was coaching. He had a couple of different positions and he was a defensive line coach at Austin P for a couple of years, got let go there went back to his hometown in New Orleans, was working as a volunteering as a defensive line coach at a high school. He started training kids on his own. Um, and it just kind of took off, you know, it's <laughs> organically, you know, he's posting clips on Twitter, on social media, and they're getting traction. And, and some of his, these high school kids were, were experiencing success and kind of long story short, or trying to make it shorter. Um, some, he, his videos came across uh, Damon Snacks Harrison. Um, you guys remi- might remember him if you're uh, unfortunate enough to have watched the Lions in the last uh, however many years, but <laughs> Snacks was an interesting guy. I mean, he was an all pro defensive tackle, but when Jordan moved from New Orleans to Texas, uh, Harrison hooked up with him. They started, you know, he started training with them, posting that online and, and it just kind of took off. It, uh, was it, uh, oh man, who was it? He said that really, uh, Gerald McCoy, when he said, uh, when McCoy started training with them, he said that once it happened, it blew up for me. So, I mean, this guy's worked with Von Miller, Cameron Hayward, T.J. Watt, I mean, just the, the Damian Clowney, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, I think 195 active NFL players is what he says he works with. Um, and as Mel said before, and you know, because he worked in the NFL for a decade, if you can't help these NFL guys, they're not going to want to have anything to do with you. You know, this is, you know, they're, you're, they're there for a reason. And, and, and he shows a track record of helping these guys get better. Um, they clearly trust him. And if he gets them, to improve their production that leads to another contract or, or more money. I mean, that's what the, that's what it is. It's a business, but he, he said he always felt the pull to get back into coaching. He wanted to do it. Um, he didn't, he had a couple of analyst offers, including LSU, but he, he you know, he said he's an on-field hands-on coach. So um, when the opportunity for Michigan state came up, he got referred through, he had a, a internship with the Cardinals last summer and, and his defensive line coach there uh, recommended him to, to Mel Tucker and, so once the offer came, you know, he ran to it and he's, uh, you know, just, you know, he's wanted to be back in coaching in the, in the college or college or NFL. He just wanted to be back in coaching. So really interesting mix where you bring a guy with that kind of reputation and he's still training NFL guys while coaching in college. Yeah. It, it very unique, uh, very unique situation. And we'll, it'll be really interesting to see how that pays off for, or what it looks like for Michigan state in the fall. He just wanted to be back in the grass, according to your yeah, story. Yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. You've got, I mean, he's putting videos on Twitter, and even though it's it's promoting his sort of, you know, the private wing of, of his coaching uh, with these NFL guys, you can see them in Michigan State's facility working. So, I mean, that, that cannot be a bad thing for recruiting when you've got all these top NFL guys rolling into your facility to work with your coach. And then he's using those same techniques and, and, and using them on college kids the next day. I mean, we've seen it in the recruiting trail. I mean, Andrew DePape is committed from Iowa and he's 
holy cow, is he recruiting on Twitter, man? Like <laughs> that guy's <laughs> trying to go after everyone and get him to Michigan yeah. State. And uh, he's been a big, great, great recruiter. And I know you don't like to, you know, get into the 2023s too much until they sign on the dotted line, but he seems pretty committed. So I, I think we could er, be safe every, there, but I think it's going to pay off in recruiting more than anything with, with Brandon Jordan. Yeah, every recruiting class has that one guy who who carries the flag, mm-hmm. and and I pretty sure that's sewn up right now for this class based on uh, his Twitter activity, which is uh, can be humorous. Uh, but yeah, jeez, uh, um, where are we going? Hold on, I was just talking about Brandon Jordan and how he's got NFL Jordan. guys okay. yes. in the yes. building. Sorry, yeah, we I asked him about the recruiting thing yesterday, and, and he's like, yeah, it's he called it a big advantage. He says when you know he talks to these kids. You know, they're just asking them questions about, oh, you work with this guy. You work with this guy. What was this? What was that? What was, you know, he thinks, you know, that, you know, he worked with these kids' idols and and now he's recruiting them as their potential position coach while still working. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, you you see who the guys were in East Lansing that he had uh, this past week. And um, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know how that could possibly not help in recruiting. You know, it's just, it seems pretty obvious. The the Spartan faithful will point out that even ex-Michigan players are making their way to East Lansing to work with uh, Brandon Jordan. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Gary. So, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like these NFL guys, what do they care? You know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to continue their career and get paid, whether they're working out at Michigan He plays for the Packers, not the Wolverines. Yeah, you know, know, whatever. So, yeah, uh, really interesting hire again. And I, I, I... I, you know, enjoyed the, uh, uh, the conversation we had with, with Bram Jordan yesterday. I thought he was pretty honest. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, I think you could look back, you know, sort of like Mel Tucker himself, you know, the hire when Michigan state hired Mel Tucker, I don't think really got a bunch of like fanfare or buzz. I would say it was actually understated. Um, but actually now, I mean, it could, we could look back and it could be a genius hire for Michigan state, or at least early returns look that way. And you could say the same thing about Mel Tucker sort of thinking outside the box and, and hiring Brandon Jordan. You know, I, the more I, I see how Mel Tucker runs things, you already mentioned it with the morning practices being sort of NFL like, and in openly saying free agency, which a lot of coaches, college coaches are afraid of this. I think his NFL background here is, is really helping him from an operational standpoint and just sort of treating it basically like it's a pro team, you know, outside of, signing checks, obviously. Um, but I was a little skeptical when they hired him, but the way he's running things, it just seems like he gets it. And and he's not afraid to step outside the box either. Oh, yeah. I, I think he absolutely gets it. I mean, this guy, I mean, he knows what it takes to win a national championship. He's been on two staffs that did that. He knows what life in East Lansing's like. You know, he started as a GA here. He knows what it takes in the NFL. He spent a decade there. I mean, he has all this experience. He's extremely organized, um, meticulous with details, it certainly appears, and he knows what he, how he wants to structure things. So from, you know, it's, it's, it's a small thing, you know, the morning practices, getting guys up, ready to go to start the day like this is the NFL. And then, and then you know, practice is over, you get your food, you get your training or, you know, your therapy, whatever, then, then go do all your schoolwork and, you know, you come back in the morning ready to go. And, you know, you see that and you see with, the way he structured his staff, you know, Saeed Khalif, you know, making him the general manager, you know, and because, you know, we talked to Khalif uh, on Pro Day and, you know, he's taken over a little bit more on putting a little more on his plate with Mel moving over and doing more on field coaching. Um, so, I mean, 
all these kids, any of those kids that sign a national letter of intent, whether they end up being an All-American or they never play a snap in college, um, all of them want have the same goal. They want to play in the NFL, right? I mean, that's everybody comes in with that. So Mel having approaching it that way, if if he with all of his experiences he that he's gained over the years, if he believes the way he structured it is the correct approach, and players see that, I mean. I just, I, I think it's the right, it seems like the right direction to go. What will that look like? What will that mean this year in terms of wins and losses over the next five years, 10 years? I, I don't know, but it's really interesting right now. Um, nobody, <laughs> again, wipe out the COVID year of the two and five, you know, cause that was just a disaster with, with all the you know complications, but nobody saw 11 and two coming. Now, how do you back it up? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be really interesting, but He's making some moves. He's not standing pat. Um, you know, he saw three changes in his coaching staff. He saw the way he structured things differently, um, you know, with, with going with the D-line coach and, the, you know, the pass rush specialist with Jordan. And I just it's, – it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to go from last year where nobody expected anything from you to this year where you have expectations. So it will be a different dynamic. Um, and it will be interesting, but Matt, this program has gone from like a soft serve vanilla cone to like Rocky road with fudge and caramel and whipped cream on it in like a span of two years. And from the beat standpoint, or just someone like me who follows the program religiously, that's fun. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's just some action, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it's, I think that's what, ha- you know, Mark, you know, did obviously did an incredible job during his time there. You know, but at the end of the run, when you start losing and, you know, you, you know, back to back seven and six seasons with an offense that, that can't score, it becomes blah. You know, I mean, I, I know there were there were plenty of top periods at Michigan State where seven and six wouldn't bet seven and six. Well, isn't that bad, you know, and, you know, you get an upset in there, you know, whatever. He raised win that standard, bowl, though. Yeah, win a win a bowl game. But, you know, Mark did things nobody thought he could took the program to new heights and then it kind of, you know, just teetered off a little bit at the end when um, and Mel comes in, you know, you get the craziness of the pandemic and then you just, you know, put a jolt through the, the, the entire fan base with 11 and two. So yeah, I can, there is definitely, you know, I've been on this beat since 17 and there is obviously a different feeling now than there was in any of those seasons, just in part because of, you know, the way Mel's approaches, you know, being a younger guy and just, you know, obviously, you know, and it's, you know, it can be small things like, you know, the activity on social media and some of the, you know, the recruiting staff, you know, improving, you know, strengthening that with some of the hires and, and just some of these things that you don't maybe don't think of, but it kind of all adds up to, to make it just something a little bit more, something a little bit different than, than what it was before. Yeah, That's a I long mean, Mark rambling Antonio, way of Mark- trying to say they've got some buzz. <laughs> They definitely have buzz and national people are starting to pick up on it too. Again, Mark D'Antonio was the right guy for the job when he was the coach and when he was hired Um, and then his sort of time passed. And I think that's ultimately why he stepped down. You know, he was, he just didn't want to deal with the new things that were going on. And he thought, you know, he had completed the circle, which he literally did (laughs) uh, as he said. Um, And then Mel Tucker's the right guy now for this sort of brave new world of, of college football. You know, he's open to these new sort of things. So I just think it's, um, you know, I, we've been hard on D'Antonio at times for how it ends. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't because they're different and Mel's basically building on the, on the foundation that Mark D'Antonio built. So it doesn't really need to be uh, verse each other. It's sort of just, you know, uh, one picking up where the other one left off in a way. 
Yeah, and I mean, I mean, there are some, there are plenty of guys out there that are contributing in major ways that were D'Antonio guys, including Peyton Thorne. So, I mean, it wasn't things kind of slipped a little bit late, but I mean, it wasn't a complete rebuild. And and Mel's approach is just, you know, I, I know everybody's probably sick of hearing it, but or you know, has heard it before plenty of times. It's that neutral thinking, and so all right, you have the transfer portal, okay, it's there, it exists, whatever. So let's use it in the best way that we possibly can because everybody else can use it. And, you know, oh, there's NIL that exists. Okay, let's just do whatever we can to, you know, market these guys and give them opportunities to make some bucks. I know it's a it's a pragmatic approach and one that I think is required. You can't be stuck complaining about the transfer portal because what the hell good does that do? I mean, if you're just going to gripe about the portal, what does it matter? It's not you're not going to close it. And some of the coaches who and some of the coaches who complain about the portal are the same ones who go out there and pluck players from it and to improve their team. So funny how that works out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same, yeah. And same thing with NIL. You know, people like Dabo Sweeney complaining about NIL. Like oh, I, we, that's a whole nother conversation. There's things to be concerned about, I think, and maybe some things that need to be reined in, but that's not going to help your team or your program by ripping on NIL. So I think Michigan State has had the right idea when it comes to that. Ah, Dabo Swinney, the $93 million man who's going to quit college football if players ever got a nickel. Yeah. yeah. Still waiting for him to uh, follow up on that uh, that promise. So I'm sure that's coming any day now when he renegotiates his contract because he's outside of the top three or whatever it is, paid coaches. He's got some weird language in it, which kind of guarantees him a raise if need be. So, Yep. <laughs> God forbid the kids get a little yeah, chunk. Yeah. You know? I, I won't go down that road too much, but uh, I think you get a sense of what my opinion is. Um, and then just, I mean, I don't know if you had anything else, but, you know, just some notes I wanted to write down since Kyle's not here. Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham both appear to be gone from Michigan State. Gabe Brown is confirmed. Marcus Bingham, there's been some reports out there um that he's going to be leaving so good for him and they're both playing in that same all-star game so read between the lines Marcus Bingham Gabe Brown probably gone uh so thank you you know from a fan standpoint I've, I've enjoyed watching them obviously you know not the not the most you know beloved or most successful players in Michigan State history but both guys worked hard both guys got better and I appreciate their efforts from the program haven't heard from Joey Hauser um yet officially so I mean and he was always the one that I thought could come back um, you know, had the best chance to come back. So we'll see on that. And then Ron Burton, longtime Michigan State D-line coach, lands at Miami of Ohio, which was interesting. I thought he would land somewhere else, maybe maybe in the power five level, Matt. But uh, I mean, yeah, he stay in the Midwest. And there were, there were a couple openings when I saw they were open. I was like, oh, that's where he'll end up. And he didn't. I think it was – did Cincinnati have a D-line coach opening, I think? Oh, I, I thought they were one that far and I've been in basketball yeah. mode. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I remember seeing multiple openings. I thought he would be a, a good fit there because Ron's a pretty good coach and, you know, he's got the track record and um, yeah, he ends up at Miami um, and a tie there is, you know, Miami head coach is uh, Chuck Martin and they were both together at Grand Valley state in 2002 when that team won a national championship, I believe. So yeah, I mean, good for Ron. It's a, you know, gets fit and still coaching and, what he's in his third decade of doing this now. So, and Michael Dow will be a familiar face that he'll be able to, uh, to check in on. Yes. He won't be on the D line though. No, no, he would have to, he would, he would have to add a few pounds to, to, to play down there. So, but Michael Dow's a good guy. (laughs) So I wish him the best too. For sure. For sure. Anything else? Should we get out of here? No, I think I'm good. 
All right, cool. Well, we'll check back in at some point. Um, I mean, I, it's spring football, so we have some stuff to talk about here. If anything notable happens with the basketball team, obviously we'll have that too. But here in the spring and summer, um, I don't think I can guarantee that there'll be a show every week. Um, maybe as long as we have spring football. But after that and then the summer, shows will be a little bit more sporadic before we pick up once a week again as the season gets closer. But appreciate everyone for listening. Again, check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. You can hit us up on Twitter if you got questions or comments. We're going to need topics here in sort of the off season, So feel free to send them our way. But for Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go green.